We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now our test is jumped over the scores table. Our test is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, October 23rd. Nick Whalen here with the great James Anderson. We are presented, as always, by DraftKings.com. James, you and I have spoken once since you became a married man. You're still married, which is very cool. You were just (laughs) on a weeks-long European expedition. Is that the right word? Uh, An expedition that also took you to Africa, I'm told? Uh I mean, I think the Does that make correct far. The, the correct uh, term is honeymoon. Honeymoon. Uh, okay. Yeah. How and you say honeymoon? <laughs> yeah. No, that was that was really fun. Uh, happy to be back. It was kind of um, you know it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun, obviously. But when you're traveling that far and taking that many uh, plane flights, look like a real it, bother in those t- takes a lot incredible of Instagram photos you guys posted. <laughs> you guys look like you're having a terrible time. Yeah, it was a uh, it was tough. Um, so where did you all go? 
Uh, I we don't think to, people are here to hear us talk about the NBA. Yeah, here nobody, to get the full honeymoon. Yeah, nobody, nobody cares about our takes on uh, Zach Levine and his run at the scoring title. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in Portugal, Morocco, and England. Okay, heard of all three of those. Morocco is not in <laughs> Europe. That was a tricky move by you trying to sneak that in. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I mean, it's right by uh, Portugal, and it's. Are we sure? Yeah, and it you actually can drive from Portugal to Morocco, but uh, we took uh, we took a plane. It was really fun. It was kind of a nice change of pace. Uh, three nights there. That was uh, both me and my wife's first time in Africa. So uh, that was that was a fun little wrinkle in the honeymoon. Huh, you hadn't made it over to Africa before. Hadn't, really. hadn't made it to Africa. I, believe before. it or not, I haven't been there. Either. <laughs> wow. I've yet to leave the country. Um, and at some point that'll come. Maybe it'll be Africa. We'll see. I don't. I don't have any Morocco trips uh, on the agenda. Um, but you're never going to believe this, James. We have a lot to get to. I asked you to put some some sure. ideas in our little document here, and boy, did you! This is like one of only two or three times yeah. per season where I actually contribute to the outline. Yeah, I so. think you've you've come back from this this honeymoon really refreshed, <laughs> and I, I think it's going to lead to a fruitful podcast. But. Um, we're going to start with something that I feel like we were pretty much obligated to talk about, which is Rondo, CP, and Brandon Ingram, of all people, getting into... I mean, it really wasn't a good fight mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of fights, but in terms of like NBA fights, this is one of the better scuffles that we've had. Um, I mean, obviously nothing will ever top Mouse at the Palace. Shortly after that, there was that Knicks-Nuggets brawl. Right. That I, th- I think Melo got suspended like 15 or 20 games, but really since then... You know, every now and then somebody will take a swing and usually miss, and, and nothing really becomes of it. But um, Brandon Ingram being suspended four games was the longest fight-related suspension I think since that Nuggets Knicks brawl. So by default, this is kind of our best fight in, in a while. I mean, how now that you've seen the tape, I know we kind of went over it yesterday. Um, I mean, what were your takeaways? Uh, you know, there was some serious emotions on the on the court and. I, I guess I would not have – I don't know what was really the deal between Brandon Ingram and, and James Harden at that point in the game because it was uh, – it seemed sort of personal like at, on, on some level, which, you know, I mean, they're, they're obviously not, uh, you know, the same age by any stretch. So, like, it, it no. would, you would think it's something I, – I, I don't know. I don't want to get into too much reckless speculation as to what the uh, – Oh, pu- come on. Well, I mean, it, you know, it, it seemed like something possibly like off the court uh, related. Uh, I just can't, I'm trying to rack know. my brains for like what could have possibly caused him to to go to those lengths uh, just based on what was happening in that game. Um, especially since Brandon Ingram's not a guy that typically yeah. uh, mixes it up like this. So no, he was kind of out of control though. Before that, there was a hard foul. Like James Ennis, um, you know, had a hard foul a couple possessions earlier, and I, and obviously there was some frustration, and it was pretty clear the Lakers were going to lose the game. I, I don't know if that had something to do with it. I mean, Harden kind of got in in Ingram's face before you know the little mini melee, and then <clears throat> they were separated. Ingram's basically at half court, and all of a sudden you see CP and Rondo going at it. And Ingram comes flying in. He was speed. so excited to get like a second wind in that fight. Right. Like he, I think he was kind of annoyed. And I think you can kind of one of the funniest parts of the video is like it. They're kind of Harden and Ingram are sort of staring at each other, and you see like Lance Stevenson like run in and pull Ingram away. Like like Lance, you know, I mean he he's been around his fair share of on court scuffles and and off court scuffles. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, I think he could he could sense that like. 
there was maybe you know two or three seconds before things were going to really go down, and he ran in and got Ingram out of there. And I think Ingram was pretty bummed that he got taken out of the situation when he did. And so then when uh, the Rondo CP thing happened, he was like, "All right, I gotta get new legs, mm-hmm. get back in this thing, gonna land a punch." And he did. Well, did he land a punch? He got it in. Yeah, he got it in the because um, like at this point, everyone's sort of like holding everyone, and he right. kind of he snuck it in there i don't know like how hardly he connected or if he even did connect but he yeah. you know he, he aimed correctly when he right. was trying it was to an throw impressive punch. looking punch right you know regardless of the end result i mean i think i think brandon ingram if you're doing like winners and losers of this fight like he comes out a winner um you know a guy who like most i don't even know if i've ever really heard him talk before and he went from like being this extremely mild-mannered forward to a guy who's now suspended four games for fighting. I mean, like, it, you look at uh, like up and down the Lakers roster. He would have been in like the bottom three guys of like who I, who would I expect to be involved? You know, I was gonna I was gonna say that, but I pulled up their depth chart just to <laughs> before making that point, and I would just, I'd say actually, you know, maybe like middle of the pack, honestly, because okay. they don't have they you know well they're they're, heavy, they're, they're top, top heavy, heavy right. they're top heavy in terms of guys that you would expect to get in a fight. But then after that, it really kind of dries up in a hurry in terms of, you know, right. you're not expecting LeBron to get in a fight. You're not expecting Lonzo Ball to get right. in a fight. Well, yeah, the big three up top, though. Right. Yeah. And, the, you know, Lance the, Beasley and JaVale. Well, I, I would have put Rondo. Oh, Rondo too, I, yeah. To me, yeah. like Rondo, Lance, I don't know how you want to flip those two in terms of top one, That's a coin flip. top two. Uh, Beasley, JaVale, I think clear three and four, mm-hmm. um, at least prior to this uh, dust up, right. but uh, I mean, I don't think you're putting Svi Mikhailik up there or uh, Mo Wagner. I don't no, think you're putting him too high. Not up yet. There. I mean, Wagner, I think has maybe some longer term potential. You know, I think if you're looking for a fighter in the, in dynasty leagues, maybe you look yeah. at Wagner. I'm but not putting Steve, Kyle Kuzma not. up there. I mean, <sighs> Kuzma could be could go either way, really. You know, I think right. right now he hasn't given us much reason, but um, you know, we'll see. I think the suspensions, for what it's worth, um, you know, in terms of things that actually affect basketball, I think they were fair. I mean, Ingram himself said he thought he'd be suspended for longer, which is a pretty hilarious reaction to his suspension. Right. But I agree. I mean, if they if the league gave him like eight or ten games, I would have been like, okay, that's a little harsh. But I mean, for what yeah. happened? It, no, you know, this I, is. I thought it was uh, properly mm-hmm. doled out. I thought uh, CP putting his hand in Rondo's face was classic CP, and I think warranted all of uh, mm-hmm. what Rondo responded with. Obviously, they're. They're getting suspended at that point, like so you right. have to kind of follow through on it. Yeah, uh, and you know, I mean, obviously, there's been a debate as to whether Rondo spit on Chris Paul to initiate this. If he did, it's pretty gross. Um, <laughs> and apparently, Rondo's camp was was talking sauce at uh, Mrs. Chris Paul right. in the crowd as right. well. And then many layers that, to this dust up. Yeah, yeah. So layers that'll probably still unfold. I think Rondo had some quote today saying that CP is not the nice guy you all think he is, or something along uh, those lines. Which I, yeah, I think I, mean, I knew that. I tend to believe that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's start with Zach Levine. I know you want to talk about that, um, and so do I, frankly, because Chris Dunn came back for the Bulls last night. He apparently sprained his MCL in the second quarter. Played the rest of the game. Played thirty minutes. Ended up. Uh, with only nine points, but uh, it was found out after. Now he's going to miss four to six weeks uh, at at the least with the with the sprained MCL. Obviously, they're without marking in. Uh, not that Chris Dunn was really going to stand in Zach Levine's way all that much in terms of scoring, but you know, with him out of the way, uh, I think the the coast is clear for Zach Levine to kind of continue to chuck away. Um, I, I don't necessarily think he's like a realistic scoring title, um, you know, bet if you're going to make that bet, but. 
He's going to be shooting an extreme number of times per game. The fact that Jabari Parker is now coming off the bench probably helps that case. Um, I mean, do you like what you've seen from Levine? Is, is like even the right word? I mean, this is just kind of what we expected, I feel like. Um, it's not, yeah. It, so I, I think Levine has a, a realistic shot at finishing uh, top five in points per game this year. The one thing you obviously point to is that he's shooting uh, almost 62% from the field, which is obviously not going to continue. But I honestly don't think 45% from three, 83% from the line, I don't think those are like outrageous figures for him to be shooting. Uh, he, I think 45 would be a, a career best for him from three, but he's shot over 40 before. Uh, I mean, this is kind of the stage in a guy's career, especially like a, a volume scorer's career where they're kind of – um, getting close to their peak and he's always been like save for last year when he came back from the the surgery he's always been a pretty efficient shooter and he and a tough shot maker and uh he's made it very very clear early on and i mean it helps that laurie's out but laurie's not a high usage guy like laurie kind of needs his teammates to get him involved to some extent and he's just made it so clear early on that he's going to be the guy that takes the majority of the shots on this team and uh, I think that was an important uh, thing for him to establish early on uh, based on his motivations because there are other guys on that team like Jabari Parker that would love to kind of be in the same same position um, but I mean if you just kind of look at guys that are realistic candidates to lead the league in scoring I think Anthony Davis James Harden are still um, kind of the top two for me uh, I think Giannis is in that mix uh Devin Booker's in that mix um but I mean you it kind of dries up in a in a hurry after that in terms of guys that I think are realistic bets to score 28 points yeah. a game and I think I think Levine could actually do that this year just based on uh usage based on sort of the flow I mean the Bulls are gonna be in a lot of games where they're trying to shoot their way back into it and just watching I, I watched the the Mavs Bulls game last night and I mean, he is always up for just some horrible possessions, like just oh, yeah. kind of like eight seconds into the shot clock, four feet behind three-point line, semi-contested off the dribble, <laughs> like just like, you know. Well, those are, I mean, to some degree, you have to be willing, like you said before, you have to be willing to take tough shots if you're going to win the scoring title. Right. You, you don't just get to 30 points per game, you know, on layups and wide open threes. I mean, Anthony Davis could win it without yeah. taking tough shots. I well, think. yeah. But like that's why he's such is a Anthony Davis a better player than Zach Levine? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, okay, so we're obviously there's a caveat that we're three or four games in. For some teams, only two games in. Uh, but if the season ended today, it'd be a two way tie between Miritich and Kemba Walker right. for the scoring title. Right. The, the, the big two. Yeah, I'm willing to rule both those guys out. <laughs> then you have Levine. Then you have Russ, who's only played one game. Curry's at thirty and a half points per game through four games. Blake Griffin, Devin Booker, DeMar DeRozan, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis are the top 10. Giannis is going to be in there. He hasn't shot the ball well at all. I think he made his first three last night, but he's something like one of 12 or one of 13. Uh, So obviously that'll come around. I don't think LeBron's winning the scoring title. I feel really comfortable removing the two Warriors. I I know that that runs counter to how skilled they are. I Mm -hmm. just don't see how they're going to consistently even be in the game long enough to right win win a scoring title uh and it, it's just tough when you have so many you, you have four all-stars on mm-hmm. the same team it's tough to win when you have uh especially the pace of play like that's something that's obviously been written about 
in the early going, we're at we're on pace for just a, a right. ridiculous pace of play this year. So it almost has to be one of these primary ball handlers on a team where it's just it's clear. Like Devin Booker, I think to me is a legitimate contender to win scoring title because yeah. of the way the Suns are going to play this year. And just, I mean, if if you had if I told you <clears throat> like one player scored sixty points twice this season. Devin Booker would honestly be the guy that I well, would. Well, I would Marshawn Brooks <laughs> one, and then yeah, Booker would be would be in my top three guesses for sure. And so I, I just think it's going to lend itself to guys like Booker, guys like yeah. Levine, and I mean I I just I think this is going to be one of those all time great uh, good stats on a terrible team type of seasons from Zach yeah. Levine. It takes a special player. Um, so I said earlier I wouldn't bet on Levine to win the scoring title. Might have to walk that back. I'm looking at the odds right now. He's plus 10,000. He has the same odds as TJ Warren. Devin like Booker. You can make that bet today on a Yes, on, on a, a sports book that okay. uh, the name I do not want to say because it may run contrary to a certain sponsor of the podcast. Um, but if you were so, in, were so inclined, you could go to that sports book and get Zach Levine at plus 10,000. Uh, Devin Booker, for reference, is at plus 1,200. Right. So th- there's. You know, Devin Booker, that, that's a good bet, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. I, I mean, <laughs> Devin Booker should have better odds than Zach Levine, but not, they should be, like, not eight maybe times twice better. as good. Yeah, like, they right. shouldn't be <laughs> eight yeah, times Yeah, plus 10,000 for the guy who's currently averaging 32 points per game. And I, I guess the, my whole point of just bringing this up is it's not fluky for Zach Levine to be this good at scoring. It's just he's horrible at so many other aspects of basketball that like that that's why that con that contract kind of got uh made fun of um but like you know i mean he he's a guy that can fill it up with with the best of them and this situation seems to really be uh kind of tailor-made for that and and he's already kind of at odds with fred hoiberg i don't know if you saw love it um, so like yeah if the bulls bulls start like I don't know, four and eighteen or something like that, which is hundred percent in play. Uh yeah, they're on pace for 0 eighty two right now. Levine Levine's feeling himself to the extent that I think he he's fine with trying to get a coach fired if if uh if he's not liking the way things are going. All right. The story of this next ad read is that we're brought to you by another sponsor, and that sponsor is Hims, a wellness brand for men. Did you know that two thirds of men lose their hair by age 35? It's a real problem in the United States, uh, and it's one that affects a lot of guys. Is your hairline starting to creep further and further back? Starting to look a little late career dream team Clyde Drexler, a little oh wait Nanad Kerstich. If you answered yes to either of those questions, go to forhims.com, f o r h i m s.com. It's a one stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to combat hair loss. No sketchy pills, nothing you can buy at the counter at a gas station, no waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. All you have to do is answer a few simple questions, and everything will be shipped directly and discreetly to your door. Get this. Our listeners get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. You can see the website for full details. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or the pharmacy, but all you have to do is go to 4 slash RWBasketball. That's 4 F-O-R-H-I-M-S, dot com slash RWBasketball, 4 slash RWBasketball. Okay, before I ask you about which uh, currently winless team you're most worried about. So put that in the back of your mind. We need to talk about first coach fired. 
Mm-hmm. You and I joke about this all the time. Um, Hoiberg's got to be up there, right? Yeah, I mean, especially when you like, like I said, like when you have a player already kind of saying that uh, he didn't really care for the sets and everything. Right. Um, well, the only thing with Horford though is he is Gar and Pax's Hoiberg. guy, so. I mean, it's. I, I don't think. I mean, a lot of times when a coach is fired, there one has to be expectations that you don't meet. I don't really know that the Bulls had those. And two, you know, a lot of times it's a coach who is a holdover from a previous mm-hmm. regime or something like that. That's not the case here. Well, you, I know that they shouldn't have had high expectations, but you don't think internally the Bulls like. What do you think internally the Bulls were hoping to win this year? I, I think the players on the roster probably thought they'd be okay. But if you if you read the comments that that the management the ownership group had this year it was pretty clear that it was just kind of a like a holdover type of year Mm -hmm. i mean i don't i don't think this team by any stretch of the imagination you know if if like you said if they start out four and 18 that's probably not you know they didn't think they'd be that bad but i don't think this team thought they were a lock to to get the seven or the eight okay well just quickly then in in the east i think there are three candidates uh hoiberg tyron lu and scott brooks those are those are my three Eastern Conference okay. candidates. Three time defending Eastern Conference champion coach Ty Lue. <laughs> single handedly dragged the Cavaliers to three straight. I mean, they have easily the worst uh, plus minus in the league right now. They got worked by a really really bad Hawks. They're, team. They got they're a bad a really bad bad, bad team. team. So I I just don't know what like what is the threshold of bad that dan gilbert's gonna stomach yeah. because he can't get rid of all these terrible players because they're on these terrible contracts so the only guy they can get right. rid of is the coach who he's not paying anything well there is this scenario too when you talk about like the the archetypes for how coaches get fired even if you're the owner's guy or the management's guy you can only be so bad you know like if, if and, you're like two and 20 yeah, you're going and, to get fired like, and there are certain how much they like you. and there are certain owners who are kind of infamous for being too patient with like decisions like this and there are co- owners who are infamous for being extremely aggressive with situations like this so mm-hmm. like you know if you're going to be terrible you don't want to be terrible with like robert sarver as your owner or dan gilbert as your owner you want to be terrible with a guy that's just a guy that like watches a couple games a week and like isn't with the team mm-hmm. every day and stuff like that okay so what about the west uh I I mean Dave Yeager obviously I think he kind of wants to get fired. Um yeah. Uh I mean I think Tom Thibodeau should already be fired just based on the situation the team's in and how compromised they are from a decision-making standpoint the by the fact that he's the the president and the coach. Yeah, um, well there's some monetary right. implications there. So I just I mean I I think He's in the mix, but I think if it was going to happen, it should have already happened. But, um, I mean, Jaeger, I think Jaeger and those three guys from the East would probably be my top four. Uh, well, I mean, D- Billy Donovan, I 0-3. That, that, Luke Walton, if things go completely awry. So, I just can't see Sam Presti making that move. I think Sam Presti has made such a... Uh, he's tried to make such a partnership between him and like Billy Donovan and like the cohesiveness of the organization. I just don't see him going that route. Like so much went into Billy Donovan coming in and being the coach. I I just don't see that happening. And I think that the injuries have kind of played a part in their slow start. Uh, You know, LeBron's gotten plenty of coaches fired. So (laughs) that 
shouldn't be surprising. I think Luke Walton's probably the second best coach he's ever had, so I think it would be a mistake. After Mike Brown? <laughs> uh, after Spo, man. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think there's only so bad the Lakers are going to end up being before there is a fall guy, mm-hmm. but I just don't think it's going to get to that point. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so speaking of 0-3 teams, there are four teams left. The Lakers, the Thunder, the Chicago Bulls, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, which of these four are you most concerned about? <laughs> uh, you could probably just rule out the two Eastern Conference right, teams. Right. Like, Thunder or the Lakers? Like, <laughs> I'm really worried about this Cavs team, man. <laughs> like At this rate, they, they might only win 20 games. I don't see a path to 50 <laughs> wins for the Cavs. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm – relative to my expectations, I'm probably most worried about the Thunder. Uh, I, I had the Thunder finishing at least a couple spots higher than the Lakers in the West. So by that logic, I'm more worried about them because every loss is huge in the, right. the West. I mean, it, the, there's probably going to be five or six playoff spots to, decided by less than four wins. So um, – these are these are big losses they're taking right now. I think that they are semi flawed, so I don't I don't really see them getting going on like a you know ten and two run or something. I think the Lakers could eventually do that at some point this season once they kind of get clicking. So I think it's the Thunder. Yeah, fair enough. The Lakers play at Phoenix tomorrow night. So I mean, if you, if you lose that game, maybe you start to panic. But right. that's that's the ultimate get back on track team. OKC is home against Boston on Thursday, so they have a few days and off. Boston's but, coming off a loss. That's yes, going to be a tough Boston, game. Yeah. yeah, to yeah. Orlando, who, yeah. which we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. Um, briefly, I just want to congratulate you. Uh, Denver's 3-0, and but more importantly, um, Will Barton out several weeks. They haven't really handed down much of a timetable, but what that means for you is Trey Lyles is now probably going to be looking at like 20-plus minutes per night. So Denver's off to a good start. Nikola Jokic off to a great start. Barton, you know, obviously a huge part of what they do. They basically made, you know, they kind of said Wilson Chandler's expendable. We want Barton in a bigger role. Now he's out for a while, um, but that means more Trey Lyles. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't really care that much about this just because I I uh, don't have Trey Lyles on every fantasy team like I did last year. But right. uh, but yeah, I mean, I, Trey Lyles is awesome. We all know that. I mean, it's it's about time that the, the rest of the world gets to figure that out mm-hmm. for themselves um so you have written here are the nets already vindicated for not trading karis levert for jimmy butler is he already one of the favorites for mip i think yes and yes yes i, I mean first of all i don't i mean i think if you're a casual nba fan and you hear the sentence the nets don't want to give up karis levert for jimmy butler like that in and of itself i can you know maybe there's a reason to think that sounds a little ridiculous when you start to consider the contract numbers you know how old Levert is, you know, where he's at development wise with the injuries that he's had. Um, it starts to make a lot more sense. I mean, I don't, I don't, I basically what I'm saying is I don't think there was like this need to be vindicated. You know, I think a lot of smart people agreed that they probably shouldn't give up Karis Levert. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I just had, uh, I guess I'd heard maybe less smart people scoff at the idea that you wouldn't give up Karis Levert for Jimmy Butler. Uh, and I, I mean, from what I've seen of Levert this year, he, like, he's kind of the, kind of the the dream like skill set for for a wing in today's NBA. Like, he, he's a, a two way guy that can guard one through three. Uh, 
he's gotten better at uh, putting the ball on the deck and, and making things happen. And, you know, I think in like in three years, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a better player than Jimmy Butler. There's no chance he's going to be getting paid as much as Jimmy Butler at that stage. And if you just look at where the Nets are, like they're not going to be contending. If they traded for Jimmy Butler and then extended him, even if he was awesome over the first like three years of that contract, none of that's going to coincide with them contending. So there's just zero point to it. Whereas Karis Levert, you hopefully like he continues to grow. You sign him on like kind of a Gary Harris type of deal, and then he's part of a, a young nucleus right. that you can kind of build around. I mean, you and I have talked about this a couple times with Butler. Where it's if if the the deal with him is you're signing him to a five year max, and that's by all accounts is what would have happened. Like t- I just don't want to do that, and for Brooklyn especially, like that doesn't line up with the rest of your young core. I mean, not that they have this like Boston type of core, but you know, Levert, Jared Allen, I think are your two cornerstones, right? Yeah, um, and I mean, you could make a case for a team like the Heat or the Clippers, like doing this with Butler, like if a couple things happen around that, and you can you know go after some fifty win seasons over the mm-hmm. next couple of years, but that's not happening with the Nets. No, and to give up one of your two yeah. really only assets, you know, long term, and Russell, I think, yeah. is kind of still somewhat up in the air. Dinwiddie, I think, is a free agent next year, or whatever. But you're giving up one of those guys. By the time Jimmy Butler is 32, maybe you you're able to sign another free agent. Maybe you 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 know get lucky on another draft pick. I, I just think that the timeline wouldn't have lined up at all. Maybe he still will end up in Brooklyn. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't, would not have been rushing to give up Levert. He's shooting 65 percent through three games. Probably not sustainable, no, no. Uh, but averaging 25 points per game on 13 shots is I, pretty damn good. I mean, for a guy who is not a great athlete, you know, he's super crafty. Like you said, he's become better at, at handling the ball. Was never really a great three-point shooter. Uh, he's at right around 35 last year. Now he's up close to 40. I mean, I'd say he's a, a good athlete. I wouldn't say he's a great athlete, but like I think yeah, well, he's, he's not a bad athlete. I'm just saying he's not somebody who's just – he's not like a Levine type. Well, no. I, I think – the the big thing for me that that's really encouraging is that he's stepped into this uh, major role early in the season because I was sort of worried coming in like what the hierarchy was going to be between him and D'Angelo Russell and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, but I think it's he's made it clear pretty early on he's the mm-hmm. best of those three players, so that just allows him to continue to kind of build. You're not going to have to worry about him going on these like stretches where he plays like 24 minutes, 25 minutes, and like is kind of out of the mix a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's clearly, like, he's the guy that they want to build around at this point, which is, um, you know, it's kind of a, a pathetic uh, development for D'Angelo Russell, but he's just not really on that level at all to me. Like, when, you, when you're talking about Jared Allen and Karis LeVert, like, there's a huge gap between those guys and, like, D'Angelo Russell in terms of guys right. I'm trying to build around if I'm that team. I still like Russell, but, you, I mean – I don't think anybody is looking at him as like an absolute got to keep this guy, you know, franchise keystone. Um, do you want to do Trey Young? Sure. Okay. Uh, I want to say I'm not ready to admit that we were wrong about Trey Young by any means. He's been up and down uh, as we expected so far. Uh, did not expect him to have a 30 plus point game within his first three NBA games. I will say that. Um, he looked very, very good um, over the weekend against a very bad Cavs team, we should say, on Sunday. Uh, they blew out the Cavs in Cleveland by 22 points. Trey Young had 35 and 11, um, 13 of thir- 13 of 23, I should say, from the field. Six of 14 from beyond the arc. Uh, I was talking to our, our colleague Shannon about this. He said he thought this would probably be Trey Young's best game of the season. 
not ready to say that just because he's going to be playing a lot of bad teams at the bottom of the East this year. And I mean, clearly Cleveland had, you know, very little scouting done apparently uh, letting him get 14, 14 three point attempts. Like the Hawks had no one else. John Collins is hurt. Yeah. He's going to, we should probably say he's going to be out for sounds like maybe close yeah. to another month. Uh, I don't. I don't really know how you let this happen. This is more on Cleveland allowing Trey Young to do this than right. me believing in Trey Young's ability. You know, I, I'm not going to say that. You know, I was a hundred percent wrong on it, but I, I'm definitely going to. You know, I was wrong to some extent. I w- I would not have expected him to have this good of a game, no matter who he was playing against this early mm-hmm. on, and. Um, you know, when he kind of gets going and the team lets him get going, then it just opens up um, the the passing lanes, and he's a, a really good passer. I, I think the second best passer in that draft behind Luka Doncic, and uh, he's going to find guys, even if they're mediocre guys on the Hawks, when uh, when people have to respect that, that three-point shot all the way out there. Uh, probably number two for me in terms of rookie of the year through three or four games behind uh, Doncic, who I think has been – still more impressive and just better like coming in you don't like back off of that just because one guy mm-hmm. lit up the the calves but uh to me it's kind of those two and jaron jackson in the early going for uh who's been the best rookie thus far i think aiden would have had a case after one game he has not been nearly as impressive in the subsequent two he looked like a monster against dallas mm-hmm. uh, in their opener um I, he hasn't been bad but he's you, you know not not as effective do you think that the the narrative so like Prior to the start of the season, I think there were a a couple narratives surrounding Luka Doncic in terms of how history was going to look back on. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, I I think that the the Suns are never going to get buried for taking DeAndre Ayton because while I thought it was a slam dunk that you take Doncic, I think that there were enough people that thought it was close or that would have taken Ayton that no one's ever going to like look back and really second guess them. Uh, a lot of there was a lot of talk about like how bad are the Hawks going to look for for the Trey Young uh, trade. I still think they're going to end up looking slightly bad for that. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's just going to be how dumb were the Kings for not taking Luka Doncic, no matter what. Like in terms of whether he was giving them medicals or not. Yeah, the uh, Kings are going to come out of this. Right. Believe it or not, the Sacramento <laughs> Kings are going to come out of yeah. this not looking great. <laughs> like I think that that's the way that like. At least early on, that's the way that this is kind of shaping mm-hmm. up in terms of how history is going to look back on on the teams right. that you know you let the best player in the draft uh, fall to the the Mavs. But um, you know, I think the, most of the players that got taken around him are going to end up having pretty good careers. And then uh, you know, sorry to Marvin Bagley, but I, just, I mean, is this the O three draft and he's Darko? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be that good of a draft, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely one of those, you know, he could be kind of the, I I think what it, what it probably is, um, is, uh, more so is the, um, uh, crap. Who is the guy that Grizzlies took from UConn? Uh, Hashim Thabit. I think he's like kind of the... I think it's more like that. I don't know if that's an insult to him or Thabit. I think that's more of the way that that, that... Okay. caliber of draft where you're like looking at the players that got taken around Hashim the beat I think it's going to be more kind of like that okay I don't think he'll be as bad as the beat no uh, apologies to the beat um a personal favorite of mine I, what about 
I was looking at drafts earlier today. I got went down the rabbit hole after I found out it was Keith Van Horn's birthday. Mm-hmm. Dude went number two overall oh, yeah. in 97. Um, maybe we'll get into that later. Hopefully not. E- easy number two. I pick. think the 05 draft. Okay, and we should say we're two to four games into these rookies' careers, so it's. I think we're about to the point we can kind of draw an official line of what their the rest of their career is going to look like. <laughs> um, but like the 05 draft, Bogut went one. Nobody in the world is saying Bogut was a bust. In retrospect, should the Bucks have taken Chris Paul? You know, maybe. Should they have taken Darren Williams? Probably an argument to be made there. But Andrew Bogut, pretty good. Number two, Marvin Williams. Same name as Marvin Bagley. Hmm. Could be. I mean, like, I wouldn't... I, I think if Marvin Bagley has a Marvin Williams-type career, that wouldn't, like, shock anybody. He could probably be better than Marvin Williams. But then three and four, Williams and Paul. Um, so you get, you know, four really good players, four guys with the exception of, uh, well, I guess, you know, until what? Last year, two years ago, all four of those guys were still contributors in the league. Uh, two of those guys still, you know, basically starting caliber players. Like, I, I think there's a, a reasonable comp to be made there, but you know, we'll see. We should probably give this at least maybe like a month. Yeah, like a full. I just, I want, I did want to just acknowledge that uh, Trey Young has been better than either of us would have expected. I, I okay, I, we really should give him credit. Honestly, like he has eight turnovers through three games. I thought he was going to be a turnover machine. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I thought he would have had at least eight turnovers in one of those games. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And uh, yeah, it, it's. I thought he was going to shoot maybe like 38 percent from the field this year uh that's still probably yeah, in play um but like you know I, I think it's been an impressive start uh i mean have you seen Doncic much like i i mean i, I think... watched the full game against phoenix um and i've I watched bits and pieces over the weekend and I, I saw all the highlights i had a friend who lives in dallas a, a college friend text me at eight in the morning on monday and all it said is is Doncic fat um so i think he was i think he watched the game over the weekend and was really impressed and was like how is this man doing this my answer was like yes i think in some he's ways. just got like baby fat right uh, he's going to get a lot more i mean i don't think he's ever going to be ripped but i think it'll be like it'll be I, i'll knock him if if in like a year from now like he's got the exact same physique like that's that's you his this, fault, Luca? you know, like, like, but I, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, eventually he's going to um, kind of round into sort of more what an NBA uh, athlete looks like. But I, I guess kind of my main, you know, obviously we knew he was a, a, a good scorer and uh, a good passer, but like, is he already one of the, I don't know, handful of best passers in the league? Like I've, I have pretty small hands, so like, I can't really fit that many, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, in terms of like, I don't know if you want to draw the line at like players twenty five and under. Like, is yes. he a better passer than Lonzo Ball? I, I, eh, yes, I think I have my qualms with the way that we, like Lonzo Ball. He's a very good passer. No one's debating that. He's a great passer, um, but his passes don't necessarily lead to open opportunities. Like that's what makes see. Like I think Luka Doncic is gonna. I guess it depends how much he ha- he plays with the ball in his hand, especially with Dennis Smith in town too. But um, he he makes so many passes where it's the, the other player all they has to, they have to do is lay it in, and they didn't do anything to get open. Like he passes big men open around the basket so mm-hmm. frequently. Like DeAndre Jordan has had so many just lay ins that were no fault of his own. He just was by the basket and Luka Doncic passed him open and he just laid it in. Mm-hmm. Like th- those are the most valuable assists you can get where you're just get- giving one of your teammates a free layup and they didn't have to do anything to get that. Yes. I think Lonzo, not that he doesn't do that. I think he he gets caught in the air a lot. He makes a lot of 
you know, very good outlet passes. Like, but I don't know. I, I don't get. I don't feel like he has the same flair. Maybe that's just part of it. I mean, Doncic has already made like three or four passes that and you just don't see, you know, in the average NBA week. He also. I would put him top three, probably definitely behind LeBron, maybe even like even with Harden at this point in terms of the cross court hit the three point shooter in the corner pass where then you kind of have to be a bigger player to even make that pass. But um, it's a really tough pass because you have to have so much on it for it to not get picked off. And it has to be accurate enough that the guy can just catch and Mm -hmm. shoot. But like he's already to me sort of top three in that. Um, that cross-court pass, which has become so huge in today's NBA. All right, let's take a quick break so we can talk about DraftKings. We are now in the midst of basketball season, and we will be for the next several months. We've partnered up again with DraftKings to bring you a free Rotowire six-month membership. Here's how it works. Go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings. You can sign up for a new account and make a deposit of at least $10. Once you do that, you'll get six months of access to all the tools and sports on rotowire.com, which includes DFS lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles, full season software, and much more. You get all that for $10, which you can then enter into contests on draftkings.com to win even more money. We're excited to bring you this deal again. If you want access right away, go to rotowire.com slash draftkings and follow the instructions. That's rotowire.com slash draftkings. Eligibility restrictions do apply. New DraftKings users only. See DraftKings.com for details. I want to talk about the Bucks real briefly. We always end up doing a lot of Bucks talk on this podcast, just given that they're our home market and are on TV more than any other team. Um, I watched the second half last night. I think you did as well. The Bucks have been able to put together, for the most part, in the early going, like three really good quarters. Their first halves have been incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were like one of 15 from three in the third quarter against the Knicks last night. It went from being almost a 20-point game to basically a tie game. Um, but they got it together, you know, late in the fourth and Chris Middleton had his best game of the year. Um, the Bucks look scary. I mean, I, I'm certainly not ready to throw them up in the, you know, category with Boston at the top of the East, but I think they're, they're probably still behind Toronto, but they're, they're closer to Philly and probably a little bit ahead of Indiana right now. Um, and, and the way that, I mean, stylistically it's night and day from watching them last season. Are you not willing to put them at least even with Philly? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I would. I, I think I've been impressed with Philly. I think that I think it's too early to just say they're definitely better than Philly, but I think at, at worst it's anybody's race for that three spot, and yeah, you know, I think they're definitely better in Indiana. Um, and I mean, I I think you know what what would you put your expectation for the Bucks win total at at this point, like? over 50 for sure i think the last over under the up, last updated total before the season started was 48 and a half right mm-hmm. and i would definitely go over on that um yeah i think i think low 50s is reasonable. like if what if i said 53 and a half hmm. i think i go slightly under i think they go somewhere between like 50 and 53 i don't know if this is the 55 win team yeah i mean I, it's it's gonna be interesting the fact that like it's already i mean i Everybody, like even casual fans, I think that weren't even Bucks fans knew how bad the Bucks coaching situation was. Mm-hmm. But it might have been even worse than we realized, or yes. at least we weren't, because it's so hard to kind of calculate how much a coach helps or hurts his team if he's really good or if he's really bad. And I think it's just so rare that we have a team with 50 plus win potential with a coach that bad. And so it's just, it's sort of an unprecedented 
gap from where they actually are to where they should be with with a competent coach. And I think uh, you could argue that uh, Coach Budenholzer is a top five or six coach in the league. Mm -hmm. So then, like, not only are you going from the bad coach to someone that's not hurting your team, but you're also getting a guy that's helping your team. And you added a bunch of players that specifically fit what that coach is trying to do. So the pieces all just fit so perfectly. Um, yeah, it's they're, they're a really fun team to watch right now. I think a big part of their uh, offseason was just getting guys that would allow them not to play the significant negatives like uh, Matthew Delvadova. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's on Baker's been inactive for two games already. What, what's, so let's say that they, you know, Chris Middleton, let's just say that he kind of continues and, and has a career year, which I think actually makes sense. Like, I I think that he probably should have a career year just given his age and the fact that he's about to hit the open market and that he's playing with, um, pretty easily the best coach he's played for. Uh, if they re-sign him and, you know, maybe it's not a, Maybe it's not quite a max deal, but let's say it's uh, you know fairly close to a max deal, and then they just kind of continue to surround Giannis and Middleton with guys that are net positives, sort of you know your Malcolm Brogdon types, um, Tony Snell types, like Brooke, you know Lopez and everything like that. Can that team get to a finals without at like if Chris Middleton's the second best player on the team, and you just kind of combine that with like really good coaching and really good supporting casts? I th- it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I think in some years, yes, right? I mean, if if a LeBron-led Cavs team with a significantly worse coach and a significantly worse supporting cast, you know, LeBron's better than Giannis, but, you know, that gap is, you know, narrowing by the day, it seems like, as Giannis plays. And like like you said, I mean, LeBron never played with anybody as good as Chris Middleton or even role players like the guys you mentioned. Yeah, you're, and, talking, about, you're talking about pre-Miami Cavs, LeBron. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he got I mean, he got to a finals and obviously got swept. I'm not saying this Bucks team is built to, you know, to, to handle the Warriors or anything like that. I mean, this year, probably not, just because I, I really think Boston is going to figure it out and they're so deep and, you know, just unbelievably talented at the top that I think they're going to be too good. But if you keep this core together and you know i don't something happens with the celtics and somebody leaves next year and all of a sudden there's an opportunity sure i mean i i i think the the bucks are closer than they've ever been right now to to having a title contending team in our lifetime right i mean i know the team in what 01 was a game away um and i was a little young for that one so i don't necessarily remember the construction behind it but nobody on that team was as good as Giannis. Almost always you need, you know, a top 10 player in the league to get to a finals. Um, I think ideally you'd like to have a better number two. And Middleton's really good, and he's probably still underrated. I think there's still this belief that maybe you need a third guy. Um, but with as deep as, as they are, and the way that they're playing seems to finally fit the personnel. I mean, I, it's pretty clear. I, I completely agree with you that I think we underestimated how bad the coaching was. I th- well, I think we underestimated how um, many wins that co- that cost them. Uh, yeah. Right? Well, even like, games I mean, like last night, I saw people on Twitter were like, the Bucks lose this game the last couple of years. You know, a, a game where they fall <laughs> apart in the third, a team roars back, and then they just fall short. Like, not losing to bad teams is worth so much. And the Bucks coaching kind of enabled them to lose to bad teams in recent years. Uh, you're you're not going to believe this, but I didn't watch a ton of Ersan Eliasova over the past, like, two to three years. Uh, but... Okay, good one. I... I forgot how fun it is to have Urs on the team. Like he, he's just, 
he's one of those guys that you like want on your team if you're like a star player like like uh, Giannis yeah. because yeah, he, I've been saying this for ten years. He just does he does all the stuff that nobody else wants to do that like leads to winning mm-hmm. basketball and um, he is off to a little bit of a slow start. The only one charge taken through three games. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, sl- he's slumping lower. he's slumping pretty hard right now. yeah he was averaging almost a charge every other game last year <laughs> and right now he's well below that rate uh so we'll see if that continues but yeah slow out of the gates for ursan uh stylistically i mean this is no secret i mean it's it's that clear watching the bucks you know night and day in terms of how they play they're attempting 38.9 threes per 100 possessions last year that number was at 25.5 so last year they were 25th in the league in uh in three-point attempts per 100 now they're third they're virtually even with the rockets which is crazy and seems to be working because they have good shooters and they have a guy who can get them the ball Giannis is turning the ball over like crazy i think that number is going to come down he had he had more turnovers in his first game than trey young has through his first three combined that's that i did not see coming but it also i mean it also speaks to the fact that Giannis has the ball in his hands that much his usage rate is at like 40 percent and the fact that they haven't lost a game while Giannis has been it's kind of off to a slow start you know like that's, that's, yeah right a right, slow i mean right. he's averaging he's yeah i know i know no no i agree with you i'm just saying he hasn't shot the ball all that well I right. mean, he's he's kind of he's kind of coasted his way to like 27 points and 15 boards a game and i think i mean his rebounding numbers i think are maybe not that sustainable i mean he's not going to average 15 a game but like 12 13 mm-hmm. is very much in play because brook brook lopez doesn't really rebound he's kind of Giannis is the primary rebounder for that team when he's on the floor he's getting a ton of offensive boards uh, I, I mean, I like him as much for MVP as I did a week ago. Shockingly, that hasn't changed. I uh, I still have AD, uh, but I I mean that was kind of one A and one B for me. Well, I mean, as as good as Milwaukee's look, the Pelicans have yeah. been right there too. Yeah. We will find out about the Bucks though. I mean, they get they get Philly on Wednesday, a Philly team that may not have Ben Simmons. He's it sounds like not going to play tonight um, with a sore back. We'll see if that continues on a back to back. Then they're at Minnesota, home against Orlando, and then there's a uh, a Monday Thursday two-pack next week where they play toronto and then at boston so they basically get the other three teams right. that we really like in the east within the span of about a week and a half so we'll find out so they um, could either be like the talk of the league or just like someone that yeah or we're just right about. back to yeah all of a sudden they stop shooting threes um okay what else do you want to get to from your list here uh let's see I see you have Pull a note about rodney up. magruder <laughs> um really went all out hmm are you – I mean, I'm guessing you haven't watched uh, a ton of Utah Jazz earlier this season. I watched their opener. I forget who it was against. Um, the only I game, a, well, I watched a little bit of the Golden State game too. The only game I watched was uh, last night against the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. and like Donovan Mitchell yeah. looked really bad, and the, you know the numbers don't look good through whatever it is, three games. Like – I don't know. It, are you concerned at all, or is this just three games? So numbers-wise, through three games, he's shooting 34% from the field, 28% from three. Uh, he's taking almost 10 threes a game. The three, like. the, what looked bad to me was just the form and the confidence level that he seemed to have in the, the three ball. Like, he just did not – like, he, he took a three that was fairly uncontested kind of late in that game that they needed, and it just wasn't really close at all and didn't look hmm. – didn't look like a shot that was shot by like a primary ball handler handler i mean it just it was kind of a weird uh and i like i said that was the only game i saw um i thought donovan mitchell had a chance to be an all-star this year and he still does but i would not pick that at this point um i mean i think it like 
through three games, uh, he's not been a top two player on that Jazz team. Like the Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles have both been better than him. Uh, I don't think, think that's really debatable. Um, yeah. So it, it's just I don't know something to, something to watch with Donovan Mitchell. I think he'll probably snap out of it and, and bounce out of it. But um, yeah, he's been uh, disappointing early on. I guess the, the only other thing, uh, Josh Hart has not been disappointing no, despite he is not. despite the fact that the Lakers are off to a slow start. And I wanted to ask you, who have undoubtedly watched more of this Lakers start to the season than yep. I have. Yep. Uh, where who would you say are the like top four players on the Lakers and can you rank them in order well we have the Lakers game on from last night in the studio as we speak so it's kind of nice to have this as a point of reference the how many did you say top three top four let's do top okay four. well we know who number one is right um <clears throat> I mean Kyle Kuzma looked really good last night um it was a game that didn't feature a ton of defense especially not by the Lakers but I, I mean, him and Ingram, to me, are kind of right there. I mean, I, I, I guess I would still say Ingram. I, I still am not totally sold on him as, like, a lock to be an all-star. But, he's I mean, even if he doesn't get a whole lot better than he is right now, he's still pretty good. So I would go Ingram 2, Kuzma 3, and then Hart, Hart 4 by a pretty good margin over KCP, Rondo. I mean, it's, it's weird to compare Hart to Rondo because, I mean, Rondo in, in and of himself is such a unique player, and he's so much older, and he's more accomplished. Um so it's like right now in a vacuum, Rajon Rondo might be a more effective player. But in terms of like looking ahead at these next three, four years with LeBron, um, I mean, Josh Hart is climbing into that upper tier of guys that you would be, you know, really hard pressed to part with in any sort of superstar deal that might come up down the road. I think I would take Hart third over Kuzma. Okay. Um, so Ingram's still two? Yeah. yeah. I, I think you just got to stay the course on Ingram. Like, I mean, he's. You know he he's kind of impressed defensively uh, this year, and he's got the type of versatility where he can guard almost five spots, uh, depending what the exact matchup is. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I still like Ingram number two, but I think Hart to me is is one of those guys that could turn into like a fourth best player on a championship team uh, type of guy just because of the fact that he's a two-way guy with no obvious flaws like those are the types of guys you need like you could see him like if, if you put say Josh Hart like in two years and you put him in like that rocket system like he could maybe be the third best player yeah. on a title team like what? so I, I think that like like he's I think he's got more potential than like whatever you got from like say Trevor Ariza, PJ Tucker, guys like that last year. Like I think I think he's um you know kind of got a little bit of of Chris Middleton yep. um, potential in terms of just being a, a one of those stud role players. So, uh really impressed mm-hmm. with him so far. And yeah. I'm and I'm happy that they've been giving him the type of uh, minutes that Already, he deserves. Yeah, KCP it felt like was off the court for the whole second half last night. Yeah, it's almost like they sort of gave him that money cuz they knew they had to, but like Clutch sport, had baby. no had no intention of like ever playing. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think KCP might be okay with that. You know? um, but yeah, it, I it, I didn't really notice it until the end. I think one of the Lakers announcers said something about no, we haven't seen KCP in a while. I was like, yeah, Josh Hart has literally been out here the entire half. He might be getting too good to the point where he's gonna he's gonna make too much money down the road. He's kind of like he's kind of like their Terry Rozier for Boston, you know, where it's like this guy's better than we thought he is, and now it, I mean yeah. the Lakers don't have the same problem as Boston where they have too many no. guys. But. Uh, I mean. He's uh, he's played his way, I think, out of 
any potential trades, I guess, is like because unless like, it's somebody big time. Well, could they get a big time guy with just including Lonzo and Kuzma as the headliners at this point? Anthony Davis is a clutch sports client now, <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's more of a free agency consideration for right. him. I mean, I'm half kidding, but I mean for. For the Lakers to make a trade like that, there's only a handful of guys who would really be worth it. I mean, well, I, I'm this, not saying Hart's untradeable. Is you know, this for the stupid, right guy. Like, is this Damian Lillard, like, it, like oh. could you get Damian Lillard for Lonzo and Kuzma? Depends what kind of leverage you have. I, I, don't, I mean, are you saying you'd have to throw in Hart with those guys? I'm saying, like, would Portland say we're not trading Dame Lillard unless, like, Hart is part of the deal or Ingram's part of the deal? Like, because, like, I would I think consider... You choose I, two of the four. You probably, but I would. You're not giving up. But I think Kuzma if you're and Ingram, I think the Lakers would choose Hart and Ingram at this point to give up or just to no keep? To, to keep. I don't know, man. Ingram looked good last night, or excuse me, Kuzma looked good. I think I think he's Ball just so like bad defensively, though. Like you know, you you put yeah. him. Is he good enough offensively so that like I mean, because they they're only caring about uh, winning finals, and I think right. Kuzma's the type of guy that could just get completely exploited yeah. in the playoffs. We'll see. I mean, it, it's going to take a team. I mean, I. If I had to make like a bold prediction at this point in the year that I didn't think I would be making like a month ago, I would say I think Lonzo Ball is going to get traded. He, I mean, I, I still like. He was one of my favorite prospects in a long time coming out of college, and he hasn't been bad by by mm-hmm. any stretch of the imagination. But like, there were two times last night where I think it was LeBron, you know, running like a three on two. Lonzo ran to the wing, caught a wide open pass for a three, and just didn't shoot it. And he he had hit threes earlier in the game. It wasn't like it was, this is was like a fold situation. And on one of them, you know, he went into the went into the crowded lane with four defenders and just got caught in the air and basically came down with it and just kind of dropped the ball out of bounds as a turnover like you know I, I think by now by the beginning of year two if you're going to be a superstar you're not still making you know really really low level plays like that he's not going to be a superstar I'd, i don't i don't i mean see maybe that. not i mean like, it's I, not, I think i think he could still be like a borderline top 10 point guard in the league sure. I just I can't see him being a superstar. There's not a ton of precedent for guys struggling in the ways that he has, and then just suddenly flipping the switch and becoming a superstar. You know, like you usually know by some point. I, yeah, I just I don't see the level of upside uh, with him. Right, um, and maybe maybe they shouldn't have taken him too. I mean, in retrospect, obviously Tatum should have been the pick there. Um, I mean, think of how much different <laughs> things are. Think of how much different things are if Tatum's on the Sixers or if Tatum is on the Lakers yeah i mean it's a lot of fun no matter what it's fun that he's in boston i mean it would be it'd probably be more fun i i i'd rather tatum be uh, sixer yeah somewhere else yeah tatum tatum (laughs) tatum and bead and simmons would be a hell of a one two three uh and boston boston doesn't even need that guy are you speaking of boston um lost to orlando last night kyrie irving has not looked good early on um you look at the shot distribution it's kind of all over the place you know Kyrie took a bunch of shots on opening night he was terrible I think he was like two of 14 um it's been fairly even across the board Rozier is playing a lot of minutes off the bench Smart's playing a lot of minutes it seems like if someone's going to be ultimately marginalized it's Al Horford to some degree although I don't think he really cares about sacrificing a couple shots a game (laughs) but Jalen Brown um kind of by default I think is the guy who you know, is going to end up sacrificing. Like, do you think that Boston has too many quality players to the point where it might end up hurting them? I mean, I, it almost seems like last year, like Kyrie going down, you know, was almost somewhat of a blessing in disguise, and that it just well, freed up so much offense. I think it made Brad Stevens' job easier. Sure. Um, part of my like, I, before the season, 
I really wanted uh, Jason Tatum in all my fantasy leagues just because I, I kind of got to the point where I just decided he's going to be clearly either the best or second best player on this team at some point already in year two. And that's just not going to be deniable in terms of touches and usage. Like he's just going to be too good to not get the ball. And I think that we're, we're kind of already there where, yes. uh, you know, if you get into a playoff series, like Kyrie's probably the guy breaking down the defense towards the end of the game, just based on his, his skill set. But, uh, I mean, I think Tatum is already maybe a better offensive player than, uh, Pete Gordon Hayward and yes. I think he's clearly better than guys like Jalen Brown and uh I mean Al Horford's an awesome player but he's a complimentary player and so I think it's just how comfortable are those other guys in the fact that Jason Tatum has blown by them in terms of what the, what his role is on the team I mean a guy like Marcus Smart is is clearly someone that has a high opinion of himself. Uh, Terry Rozier, also someone that, that believes he should be uh, heavily involved. Mr. Puma himself. So that's just, that's just a, a whole, uh, you know, you could say it's a good problem to have, but it's still, that's the way like basketball works. That is technically a problem and, it, and it's something you got to work through if you're a coach and mm-hmm. hopefully Brad Stevens is uh, able to, to work through that. Um, I guess, you know, you one of your questions in the spreadsheet was like, "Do you have any over under picks that you regret?" Uh, I probably don't go over on the Celtics one if I'm if I'm redoing that right now, and it's just kind of common sense. Like they start zero and two or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of aren't going to go saying they're going to win sixty plus games. Yeah, I mean, they, the their over under was fifty eight and a half. Right. The the math just is gets tough at that point. So. Um, I think that's one where if I could redo it, I would I'd probably switch it up. I still think they're going to be a top three seed and probably a top two seed. But, um, you know, Raptors, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, I think that that's just going to be a really fun thing to watch yeah. all season long. I think Indiana's good, too. I mean, I know they got blown out in Milwaukee on Friday, but I, th- I think they're a pretty they're a pretty good number five in the East. I mean, better at least than that. They're season. better than your typical Eastern well, Conference la- yeah, number right. five, but I, I just think the, the gap in mm-hmm. high-end talent between them and those other four teams is, yeah. is substantial still. Okay, we're also brought to you this week by Playline.com, the fastest-growing sports gaming platform in the space where you have a chance to win a million dollars for free every single day. James Anderson, a million dollars. Over one billion dollars in prizes are available this year. It was founded by UFC champion Michael Bisping and two-time NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Playline.com wow, is fantasy sports simplified. Had no idea Roy Hibbert was involved in this. Unlike more traditional DFS sites, which require you to set a complicated and tedious lineup using a salary cap, Playline picks the players for you and only requires you to predict their final stat lines. How many points will LeBron score tonight? How many rebounds will Anthony Davis pull down? How many assists will Chris Paul get? None right now because he's suspended. How many charges will Ersan Ilyasova take? Lock it in and wait for your winnings. For a limited time, Playline.com will be offering 200% initial deposit bonus. They will triple your money. You can't beat that. To get that, all you have to do is use the promo code NBA Millionaire. All one word, all caps, NBA Millionaire. So you mentioned over-unders that you might be regretting already. I had a couple as well. Um, going over on the Bulls. I remember being really confident about that for some reason, and I don't. I feel significantly less confident. I think they were at let me see, twenty-eight 
27 and a half, which is not even that big of a number, but I'm starting to wonder if they're going to get to 28. They're 0 3. Uh, OKC, I went over on. They were at 50 and a half. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, Russ certainly looked good in their first game back. That was a loss to the Kings, which is not super encouraging, but not quite ready to, to pull out on that one. I went over on the Suns. Never should have done that. That was that one I regret. Some of these, I'm just like, what? Why'd you do that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Bulls I, over, Suns over. <laughs> what were you thinking? The Bulls one especially. I, don't, I really don't know what. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then the Raptors. I went under on the Raptors. To be fair. To I be was, fair, you always go under on the Raptors. To be fair, yeah. I really, I just can't get myself to root for that, that Kyle Lowry guy. And they look really good. And if they stay healthy, it's hard to imagine they don't, they don't get really close to that one. I want to do a, a quick check-in on the Sucky 7. Ah. Are we sure that all seven of the teams, Orlando, New York, Cleveland, Chicago, Charlotte, Brooklyn, and Atlanta, uh, that you dubbed the Sucky 7 mm-hmm. before the season, are they all for sure sucky? Well, the Cavs are sucky. Oh, yeah. The Bulls are sucky. Big time. Uh, the Knicks, the Hawks, the uh, Nets, all sucky. Uh, so that's five of the Sucky 7. Mm-hmm. Um, affirmative on them belonging in yes, the sucky yes. seven uh so it, it's kind of the magic and the hornets that are maybe holding this up a little bit um i still think the magic are sucky uh as much as i like jonathan isaac i don't really see uh them not being sucky when it's all yeah. said and done the hornets i mean you know they're kemba walker is just playing out of his mind right now that's probably good enough if if everything just kind of continues the way it's going with him and uh, and the rest of the team's health, they're probably going to get into the postseason. Postseason, so uh, I guess I guess you might have to take them out of the sucky seven. Yeah. But well, I mean, not necessarily. But let me tell you this: uh, it's possible the Wizards get into the sucky seven, and y- even have, after beating Portland, last we night. might have a switcheroo in the sucky seven. Okay. You might be taking the Hornets out and putting the Wizards in. But that's that's TBD. Uh, not willing to make the uh, the switch official just yet, but uh, we could we could see uh, a shakeup within the sucky seven. I, I think that's something that none of us saw <laughs> this early in the year. I will remind you that Orlando started eight and four last year, and then promptly lost nine in a row, and the wheels completely fell off. So. Also, they are uh, you know they're two and two right now, but they have the fourth worst point differential in the East. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, uh, you know. I mean, you, you lose by thirty-two to Charlotte. I uh, mean, the, the Hawks have a better point differential than the Magic right now. So okay. there's that. And the Hawks got blown out by a bad Knicks team, another team in the right. Sucky Seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, look, the the Cavs, the Bulls, and the Knicks are just so firmly entrenched in the Sucky Seven that mm-hmm. they, you know that they they might have to s- split off and, and form their own Sucky Three. But so. Uh, Earlier today, someone on Twitter with the username Bosnian Scoring Machine um, asked us to comment on Jokic's triple double, um, and I just kind of want to go with like, where does this stand among the all-time triple doubles? Turns out the answer is not all that high. Um, so he had a triple double on Saturday against the Suns: thirty-five points, twelve rebounds, eleven assists, four steals, one block. Uh, but the real story: eleven of eleven from the field and ten of eleven from the free throw line. So clearly, one of the more efficient games ever. Uh, but in terms of game score, which just assigns like a pure number on how good the game was, um, it's the 66th best game since game score has been available, um, which is the 1983 season. So over the last 35 years, that's been one of the better games overall. 
Uh, the best ever game score, if you're wondering, was Michael Jordan's 69.19 rebounds, six assists, four steal game, in which he went 23 of 37 from the floor and 21 of 23 from the line. Jokic's triple-double was the sixth best game score in a triple-double. The best ever, of course, was last year, James Harden, 60-11-10, which doesn't even seem like a real line. Harden also has the second-highest game score in a triple-double, uh, when two seasons ago he went for 53, 17, and 16. Mm. He's pretty good. He is pretty good. <laughs> uh, furthermore, the only player to ever shoot 100% from the floor with at least 10 attempts in a triple-double uh, was Nikola Jokic. So we'll say that. He's the only player ever to to shoot, you know, have a perfect game basically with more than 10 attempts. What do you think is the most field goal attempts in a game without a miss? Who do you think has that record? Okay, so I gotta. You want me to guess who has it, not how many field goal attempts it was, right? Sure, or both. Um, oh man, there's there's a lot of good candidates. Yeah, uh, a lot of good big men. Yeah, I think. Yeah, running through some of those Let's early two thousand Clippers Ma- teams. Monte Ellis, free agent. I'm gonna say Kareem, and I'm gonna say it was 24 field goals. Okay. Close. Will Chamberlain. Okay. 18 for 18. Okay. In 1967, he uh, he threw up a casual 42, 30, and 10 mm-hmm. in that game. <laughs> uh, and then one final note that I came across while researching this: uh, Mike Woodson once went 22 of 24 from the field in a game. The Mike Woodson. Wow. For that 82, yeah. 83 Kansas City Kings team, yeah. that I think we all remember uh, ever so fondly. Classic Mike. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Last thing I want to talk about: Alonzo Trier. We'll make this really quick. How is this happening? Why did he not get drafted? <clears throat> is this going to continue? You watch more Trier probably than anybody in the office. Uh, first of all, I I hate saying this about a, a fellow cat, but um, he he might be like one of the most overrated players in the league right now. Like, <laughs> I, he should not be getting talked about on like a prominent big, podcast, big time, like. This? like like he can get, to, I mean, plenty of guys can get talked about on this podcast, but like he's getting talked about on like ESPN, like TV during yeah. the day. Like, yeah. like he's not this good. He's not even good. Like he's shooting like 41%. He like can't play defense. He doesn't make his teammates better. He, he really should be playing in, in the G league. Like I, this is not a thing like, the, like Alonzo Trier being some steal of the draft, it's just wasn't even he's, drafted. He's fine of he he's fine at like scoring if you give him a ton of usage and and a ton of volume, he'll be able to score. Like he's a he's a decent enough uh, athlete and just a, you know he can finish in you know a variety of ways. He can shoot a little bit. He can get to the line. Uh, well, but what he, can he do? He's just he's like. I mean, like the the best case scenario is that maybe he becomes like a poor man's Lou Williams, sure. but like more likely he's a poor man's Marshawn Brooks, and he just he like I don't know. It's it's very confusing to me that him doing this. Like I would have actually not been surprised if you told me like the Knicks are going to give this guy this many minutes <laughs> and this many shots. I'd be like, well, that's probably what he's yeah, going right. to do. Like it's not. Well, he's also an elite tank player. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's like you, they've replaced one of those guys in Kevin Knox, who's hurt now with Trier. Yeah. Like and and 
it's this isn't like Kyle Kuzma from last year. No, like no. this is just a guy that he had four is points last night. <laughs> capable, if you give him a ton of shots and a ton of minutes, he's going to score points. Like he's not going to help you win. He's going to help you lose. Mm-hmm. He didn't get drafted for a reason. Like you could score on him. Like I, I could, I oh, couldn't I score know. on him, but like I could get a shot off against him. Like it's it's. I- it's pretty bad. I couldn't but. even score on you at hoops last night. I had, <laughs> I had an awful, awful night. Uh, also, I forgot to mention when we were talking about Karis LeVert, his basketball reference nickname is Baby Durant. Mm. So, what what was Knox's again? Was he also not Baby, Baby Durant? Durant. <laughs> it can't be two Baby Durant. He doesn't have one. Well, the the YouTube one. Hmm. Oh, I th- did do you wonder? Do you think Karis LeVert's people got to Knox and told him that Baby Durant was already taken and he had to find a new one? I'm thinking so. I mean, there's other like clearly basketball references standards for listing nicknames are non-existent. So if it's not like if it's not on here, that means that it's really like no one has literally ever called him that. Baby Durant. Yeah. Um, the amount of you, the amount of players you could list in the NBA that would qualify for Baby Durant right. before Karis LeVert, it's like at least 40, 50. We discussed. We should say we discussed the the option of going through an entire podcast <laughs> and only referring to players by their basketball reference nicknames. Um, because apparently that's what people call them. And if you follow basketball, you should know these guys by their names and it would just be too chaotic. I wouldn't even know who we're talking about. That would be, that would be a, I think it would be funny to us and annoying to the listeners yeah, and it would probably take a annoy lot us of, too. And it would take a lot of time for us to put together. So not worth it. Okay. Uh, let's wrap this up. You and I'll be back next week. I'll hopefully be back with Alex, um, later this week, but if not, Alex is hosting with Shannon on Friday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.